As we get into the scripture this morning, I have asked Joanne to come and share with us a glimpse into just a part of her life. So would you welcome Joanne as she comes this morning? I'm very grateful that uh, Joanne was willing to come and do this. I know it can be sort of scary to come up here, but uh, I knew Joanne, she could handle it. So Joanne, God bless you. Hold this real close. I hope I'm holding it close enough. I'm not really used to this. But when Pastor Jim asked if I would speak about when my husband passed away, I am not the only one who has ever hurt. And I am not the only one who has ever been in need. There are hurts here today, and there are needs here today. But I want to tell you, give your need and your hurt to God, for he is indeed worthy of trust. Amen. Amen. My greatest need probably was when my husband passed away. I desperately wanted a child, and after seven years of marriage, I finally had my baby. And a couple of weeks after her second birthday, my husband slumped into the floor of his van as he was waiting to turn on to the interstate. He woke up in Swedish Covenant Hospital, and the doctor called me and said, your husband will never walk, work again, and he will never drive a car again. He was 26 years old, and I was devastated. He was an iron worker. He looked like the perfect specimen of health, 6'2", and in my mind, he was gorgeous. <laughs> I fell in the floor in desperation. God, you gave me this baby. Please give me at least until she goes to school all day long. I cried and begged God for mercy all night long and to all morning. And the next day, about 1 o'clock, I became calm. And I opened my Bible, and as Pastor Spence said last week, God communicates to us through prayer and his word. My Bible fell open to the 136th Psalm, and it starts out by saying, Oh, give praise unto the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And there is 25 more verses, and every verse tells about how God delivered Israel and ends with his mercy endureth forever. I felt that God was saying to me, Joanne, I have heard your prayer. I will give you time. But I knew it was only until my daughter went to first grade. My husband came home from the hospital. We went to our own doctor. They ran all kinds of tests on him. That was before MRIs, CAT scans, ultrasounds. They told me that, yes, it was an abnormal brain wave, and he might have a brain tumor, but they preferred to think that it wasn't. He looked at my husband and he said, go back to work, drive your car, live a normal life, but come and see me every two weeks, which he did. The morning that he went back to work, we did something that we had never done. Every night we would pray together at our bedside, but we didn't pray for the day. 
But every morning we would hold hands and God, we would beg him, give us this day. My husband helped build all of the high rises in downtown Chicago and I knew that he was high. I had to trust God that he would take care of him. And he had to trust God that he would take care of him. This went on for three years and everything looked normal to everybody else. But Delbert said to me, Joanne, I am not going to live to be old. And we both knew it. And by the third year, the tired hair look was on his face. And at night, by 7 o'clock, I would find him in his chair with his Bible in his lap. And he was sound asleep. He was struggling. But something happened in between. The morning prayer was not just, God, give us this day and take care of us. But the morning prayer was, God, if there is anyone that I can meet today that needs you, let me witness to them of your love. It was no longer just take care of me. It was God, others have needs as well. Donna went to the first grade. She went to the second grade. But the exact month that he had passed out the first time in the third grade, my husband came to me and said, Joanne, it's like flash bulbs going off in my eyes, and it's been this way for a year. I need to see the doctor. He saw the doctor every other week. It meant I can go no farther. He was sent to a neurologist. The neurologist immediately put him in the hospital. They ran every test they had at that time. Nothing. They ran dye through the brain. Nothing. And finally, they ran air through the brain, and it showed a blockage. My husband died the third day after surgery. It was a malignant brain tumor. I cannot tell you how grateful I was that God gave us more than what I asked him for. He gave me six years instead of four. The doctor told me after surgery what the tumor was pressing on was his emotions and his memory. He said your husband could have done anything at any time and he would not have been responsible for it. The pressure had pushed all of his brain to one side of his head, but God took care of him and God will take care of you. If you have a need or if you are hurting, don't be afraid to give it to God. I can assure you he will walk before you, he will walk behind you, he will walk beside you. And when you feel you can walk no farther, as it says in Footprints in the Sand, he will carry you. He is indeed worthy of trust. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Thanks, Joanne, for sharing from your heart this morning. You know, I wanted Joanne to come and share with us today for two reasons. One is because her story, as you, write, as you know, is a very powerful one. It encourages us and it shows that this faith we have in Christ is not just a bunch of words, but God really is with us through the difficult times of life. The second reason is she is a living illustration 
that one of the great ways that God speaks to us is through others, through their life experiences. This deep loss in Joanne's life happened many, many years ago, and I don't know the number of people that have heard that story over the years, Joanne, whose lives have been encouraged and touched, but I know it's, it's a big, big number, and that number now includes you and I today. God, has, you know, God speaks to us through stories like Joanne's story to encourage us in our journey. Now, we're in a series about how God speaks to us. A couple of weeks ago, God speaks to us through his word. Last week, God speaks to us during times of prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about how God speaks to us through times of suffering. But this morning, we want to focus in on this very thing, how God speaks to us through the lives, through the words of other people. And I'd like us to turn to another story of another person that we read about in the scripture. You know, we learn a lot through the life of Moses. Uh, And usually when we think of Moses, we think of he's the one that led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He did that for sure. He's the one that led them across the Red Sea. Yes, he did. And he's the one that uh, God called up onto Mount Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments. And yes, that's right, that's Moses. But there is a far lesser known incident in Moses' life that is also recorded in the scripture for us to learn something from. And that's found in Exodus chapter 18. And this particular incident in Moses' life reinforces this idea once again that God speaks to us through other people. So let me, let me give you a, a little bit of the backstory here. Exodus chapter 18 opens up with uh, telling us about Moses' father-in-law, whose name happened to be Jethro. Now, right away, you've got to get, uh, I want you to stay focused on this Jethro today. Who's the other Jethro you might be thinking of right now? <laughs> Jethro Bodine, right? <laughs> Who ate his cereal out of a big bowl like this, and you know, the Beverly Hillbillies, some of you that are under 30 or 25, you probably have no clue what I'm talking about. But anyhow, the Beverly Hillbillies, all right, that Jethro. That's not the Jethro we're talking about. So try to keep that out of your mind, okay? Uh, but let me, let me read uh, verses, uh, the first uh, few verses of uh, Exodus chapter 18. Moses' father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He had heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. In other words, he had heard all about the story of how Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and all the way up to Mount Sinai. Now, earlier, verse 2, Moses had sent his wife Zipporah and his two sons back to Jethro, who had taken them in. Now, skip down to verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father and now now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. They were now camped at Mount Sinai. He brought Moses, uh, he brought Moses' wife, and two sons with him. And they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. Jethro had sent a message to Moses saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and your two sons. So here's what had happened. Uh, Right after God had called Moses to go into Egypt, you remember the, the burning bush incident, God speaks to him and he calls him to go into Egypt to deliver the people of Israel. Well, Moses was obedient. And so he had already married Zipporah. He had already had two sons by that time. And so Moses and his family, they got started toward Egypt. But Exodus chapter 4 tells us they hadn't gotten too far down the road 
when Moses and Zipporah had a very, very big fight. They had a big, big, big heated disagreement. We don't have time to talk about that right now, but you can read about it in Exodus chapter 4. And so what Moses did was he separated from Zipporah and his two sons, and he sent them back to Jethro. And Moses went on by himself down into Egypt. And so he goes down there, he does all the stuff we read about, he met with the Pharaoh, they had that big contest, the wrestling match, let my people go, all the plagues. And then Moses leads them through the wilderness and all the incidences that went on there and brings them up to Mount Sinai where God would give them the Ten Commandments. Now that took probably about four to five, maybe six months time for that all to happen. So now... Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, shows up bringing Moses' wife and his sons back to him. Now let's read some more. What happens next? Verse 7, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh in Egypt on behalf of Israel. He told all about the hardships they had experienced along the way, how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt, or, uh, hand of Egypt. I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he rescued his people. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, a burnt offering, sacrifices to God. Aaron and all the elders came in, joined in and sacrificial meal in God's presence. Okay, so what it's describing there is when Moses, Moses went out and just gave a big embrace and a big kiss to Jethro and then he said, Jethro, come on into my tent. He sat down for how, how many hours and talked about here's, here's the story, here's what, here's what God has done. Now, that's all great, but when you read that, do you see anything missing from that story right there? See anything missing? All right, Moses hasn't seen Zipporah and his kids in five, six months. He goes out and kisses Jethro. (laughs) What about Zipporah? What, What about the kids? And then he says, Jethro, hey, come on in. I got a great, man, have I got a great story to tell you. So there's silence. I think what it's telling us, I think there's more than a hint here, that there was still some unresolved issues here between Moses and Zipporah. Now, let's go on and read some more of what happened. Verse number 13 says, the next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. So here's what Moses did with his days, at Mount Sinai anyway. He got up at dawn, he took his seat, and then all day long there was this endless line of people. You know, there were two million Israelites in the wilderness. There was this long, long, long line of people that one after another kept coming to him and bringing him all their problems, their disputes, their conflicts, their problems, so that Moses could give them his counsel and his direction. And Moses was starting to get tired. He was getting worn out, frazzled. His, he was getting, his brain was getting fried. He was on the verge of burnout. And so that day, his, father walk, his father-in-law walks up and sees what's going on. 
And in the course of just another ordinary day, through an ordinary man, God spoke to Moses in a new way. He spoke through a person. And Jethro was that person. And Jethro just happens to speak to Moses one of the most important things Moses ever heard in his life. Let's listen to it in verses 14 to 16. It says this. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked Moses, what are you really accomplishing here? What are you trying, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me and I'm the one that settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his, his instructions. Here's what Jethro says. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and all the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and and let me give you a word of advice, advice from a father-in-law. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives, but... Select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be able to, available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major ones to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. One of the greatest leadership principles in the history of the world, delegate. (laughs) And evidently Moses had been a leader and done some great things, but up to this point, he had not really mastered the art of delegating very well. Anyway, uh, so Jethro is saying, Moses, there's another way here. Now, God's timing is always, is always good. See, Moses had a couple things going on here in his personal life that really did need some attention, and he didn't see it, or at least he was denying it. And so God, just on time, sent Jethro across his path with just the word that he needed. And so we come to one of the most critical moments in Moses' life right now. And that's this, would he be open to the voice of God through the lips of another person? Now think of how Moses could have responded to his father-in-law. Think about this. Number one, Moses might have been too angry to listen to his father-in-law. He might have been still bitter over this big split between him and Zipporah. Now, you know, it is interesting that it was not Moses who once he got to Mount Sinai and got through all the dangers of the world. It wasn't him that sent back for his wife and and sons to come to be with him. No, his father-in-law initiated the whole reconciliation thing here. So, uh, So even a great man like Moses got his priorities mixed up. He had become a workaholic on top of it. And this only separated the, the, made the distance between him and his wife and kids and their getting together. That made it even worse. So, 
Moses might have said this when Jethro gave him his, his advice. He might have said, you know, I'm the leader here, and now here's her dad trying to tell me how to do my job. I take my directions from God, and if God has something to say to me, then he will tell me. I don't need somebody else coming around here trying to tell me what to do. Okay, that was one response. Or another response, Moses might have just considered himself to be too spiritual to hear God speak through an ordinary person. After all, Moses is the one, maybe the only one in history, to ever have God speak to him out of a bush that wouldn't burn up. And God said, take your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground here. You're in my presence. I'm, I'm here to speak to you. And so it would be easy for Moses to dismiss the possibility of God speaking to him through his father-in-law. But you know what? It was holy ground that day, too, because God, the words that God had to speak through the burning bush to Moses and the words that he had to speak through his father Jethro, I think they had equal authority. <laughs> I think they were both forceful. They were both equally powerful. Though one was a lot more ordinary than the other. So this is one of the most important moments in Moses' life. What did he do? Well, here's what we learn from Moses. Verse number 24 says this. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. And he went ahead and delegated, just like his father-in-law had advised him. Now, let's look at a couple things that we can take out of that. First, Moses was humble. He was teachable. Teachable enough to listen to what other people say, even his father-in-law. This, and that's something for a man who's a great leader. But you know what? The thing that made him an even greater leader and a greater person and a more effective servant of God was that he could humble himself to take constructive input. You know, if any of us ever get to the place in our lives as followers of Jesus where we cannot receive the input and advice of others, then we have just shut the door to a major way that God speaks to us. And we're going to be impoverished because of it. And you know what? We can go a step further than that. Sometimes it's not constructive criticism we get, right? Sometimes it's destructive. <laughs> it's destructive criticism. But you know what? I think a wise person will also learn to even check that out and say, wait a minute, is there underneath that, that exchange or what's just been dumped out on me, is there something true in that that I need to listen, I need to hear? Maybe there is. Check it out. Anyway, he, was, he learned to listen. He was teachable. Now, you know, not listening can get us into big trouble. Quite a few years ago, I bought a grill at Sears. This was for Memorial Day. And when I was checking out with this big box, uh, the clerk said, you know, we can assemble that grill for you if you would like us to. Now, I had just seen the display model. Okay, it had legs, it had the burner, it had a lid. 
what, <laughs> what could be possibly go into putting that thing together? So I just said, no, I, you know, I don't need that. I can do this myself. So on Memorial Day morning, about three hours before the big barbecue and everybody came together, I went out to the garage, got my toolbox, and said, I'll just throw this thing together. Well, as soon as I opened the lid on that box, okay, I knew I was, <laughs> I had a challenge because there were millions of pieces in there, uh, all disconnected. And uh, so what I did was I just closed the lid up, jumped in my car, ran up to uh, Walmart, and bought one of these little pan grills about <laughs> two feet in diameter and dumped some charcoal in it. Uh, and the barbecue went well, but... Uh, and you know what I ended up doing? I ended up taking the grill back. And they did assemble it for me. And we were ready to go by the 4th of July. Okay? So, all right. Now, so, just a lesson in listening carefully. Humility. Okay? Now, here's something else we learned from Moses. Um, he not only was a listener, but he was wise. And you know what? The, the first prerequisite in being a wise person is being a careful listener. A careful listener, willing to learn, not getting stubborn and bullheaded and proud and, you know, maybe Moses was the inspiration for Solomon when years later as the king of Israel, God asked Solomon, just as he was starting his reign, Solomon, what would you, what gift would you like me to give you? And whatever you ask for, Solomon, I'm going to give it to you, whatever gift you ask for. You know what Solomon asked for? He said, God, I would like to ask for wisdom. I'd like wisdom. And you know what that Hebrew word wisdom means? It means a hearing heart. God, give me a listening, a listening heart. And God gave that to Solomon. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 19 says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, and someone you know, said, God gave us two ears and just one mouth. <laughs> That's another way to say it, I guess, but anyway. Listen. So, as Christ followers, God speaks directly to us in his word, and we need to be spending time in his word. God speaks to us during times of prayer. We need to be regularly coming to God in prayer. But God is also constantly sending people into our lives to speak, to also speak his word to us. So, what is God trying to say to you now? God is an incessant communicator. God is always talking to us, always. And I guarantee that right now in your life, God has placed people through whom he is speaking to you or trying to speak to you. Do you see them? Do you see the Jethro that's walking up to you or has walked up to you? It might be somebody close to you. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a child. Years ago, when Julian Spence were still back in Pittsburgh pastoring there, 
uh, we had gone out with them somewhere, and we came back home, and Julie got sick, and she went up to her room to lay down, and and I was down on a lower level with my granddaughter, Danielle, and I don't know, Danielle was maybe eight or ten years old. It's been quite a few years ago this happened, but anyhow, she came up to me and said, "Uh, Granddad, you're a pastor. Shouldn't you be upstairs praying for your daughter? (laughs) So... So anyway, uh, so guess what I did right away? (laughs) I went upstairs and prayed for Julie, my daughter, that God would help her. And uh, so God, I mean, the Lord can speak to us through children. He can speak through a neighbor, a doctor, a teacher. And you know what? He can even speak to us through people that don't know him. That's why we got to be good listeners. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said that because every human being is created in the image of God, even though that image is flawed in a person, this means that God does speak to us through every person we meet. Through every person we meet, God has something to say to us if we're looking, if we're listening. And so the big question for us, just as it was for Moses, is this. Are we listening? You know, one of the complicating things about us human beings is that many of the things that form our attitudes, our desires, our thinking, our habits, and our personalities are the things that have been recorded over our lives and hidden away in what we call our subconscious, that part of ourselves that we don't have any awareness of. Have you ever seen what's called the Jahari window? There should be a picture of it up here on the screen. There you go. Uh, This is a neat little illustration. It's talking about when it comes to understanding ourselves, there are really four things to take, four parts of ourselves to take into consideration. The open part is the part of our lives that that we're aware of and other people are aware of. We know it and everybody else knows it. Okay, then there's the blind part of our life. We don't see it, but everybody else does. And then there's the hidden part of our lives that we know about it, but nobody else does. Those are the secrets that we keep inside, locked away. And then there's this other box called the unknown part that neither we nor people around us have any awareness of. And that's what sometimes is called the subconscious. And, and the thing about, the fascinating thing about human beings is that from the moment you were born and began to take in all the data, the, of, data of the environment, all of that, every piece of that information is like on a big computer stored away, not in your conscious memory anymore, a good part of it, but it's tucked away in that subconscious part of who we are. And yet the thing about it is, is that a lot of our behaviors and a lot of the reasons why we think the way we do and the things we do that we do come from that unknown, forgotten, subconscious part of who we are. That's, and that produces a lot of the blind spots we have in our lives. Things that we can't see ourselves, but other people around us can see. So all I'm doing, there's a lot more we could say about that, but here's the point I want to make this morning. We don't see a lot about ourselves, but other people do see a lot of those things in ourselves. Jethro saw what was going on in Moses' life. 
both with his marriage and with his work habits. Moses was blind. He didn't see it. And here's another thing. How, here's a question that came to my mind. How could such a man of God as Moses live for months, five or six months, without his loved ones nearby him? How could he do that? Could it be something that had been stored deep in Moses' subconscious mind that was still impacting his behavior? Now, we have to remember this. Moses, as a baby, had experienced separation from his parents and his sister. And he did not grow up in the home of his parents. He grew up in the household of Pharaoh, raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And so maybe that explains how he could just shut off his family, shut, shut that out of his life as an adult, even as a man of God. I don't know for sure, but it's a possibility. Anyway, this is the reason why we must be very, very teachable and very, we must be listening people because God sends other people to speak to us about the things we can't see about ourselves. And if we are spiritually smug, thinking, well, God didn't reveal this blind spot to me when I was in prayer, or he didn't reveal it to me directly when I was reading his word, and if we close our ears to what a, that God might use a person to bring that to our attention, well, we don't want to be offended, we don't want to get smug, but we want to be humble so we don't miss the voice of God speaking into our lives. You know, if we close that door of other people speaking his word to us, we lose some wonderful blessings. Uh, I was talking, and I'm not going to use any names here, but I was talking with one of the moms of our preschoolers a couple months ago, just casually, I think it was before a Sunday morning service, and, uh, and the mom shared with me that when they had, been, they had gotten down to pray with their kids recently, uh, their little three, I believe three-year-old daughter said uh, something like, we need to pray for Pastor Jim. And I thought, wow. I can, you know, I can go a long, long way from the strength of input like that. <laughs> I can. That's a great blessing. And I believe, you know, God speaks to us in multiple number of ways to encourage us and keep us moving forward and going forward in our lives. So here's the close of our message this morning. Two action steps. Number one, look carefully this week who are the people that God has put in your life right now through whom he is speaking to you. Who are those people? Have you missed any of them? Are your ears open to each one? Two, choose to hear, choose to be humble, choose to listen carefully for whatever it is that God may be saying to you through the voice of another person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We're thankful, Father, that you do speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom of Moses and the humility of Moses to listen so that, Lord, we can continue to grow through through all those ways that you speak to us, through your word, in prayer, through others. And next week, Lord, as we learn through suffering. Heavenly Father, we want to grow. 
We don't want to put any roadblocks or barriers up in our lives that would prevent us from growth. So Father, teach us. Give us teachable hearts, listening ears. And Father, we'll give you praise for all of these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.